Come here, you senile old parasite. It wasn't me, Del Boy. It was me brain. Hello. Welcome to Songs in the Key of, a podcast about songs. These might be old songs, new songs or middle-aged songs, anything that takes my fancy really. Sometimes these shows will be themed around an idea, a person, a genre or some other concept. Other times they will simply reflect my latest obsessions, my new favourite bands. Those songs I can't get out of my head. So, let's get on with it. It's been a while since I did a selection of random songs, no theme, just a bunch of good tunes that have been buzzing around my brain of late. And it feels like there's some catching up to do after all the thematic stuff. So that's what this episode will be about, catching up with music in general, although as ever links between some of the songs do appear, in particular relating to mental health, well-being and as Ben Folds 5 once put it, looking after your most valuable possession, your mind. But before we get too deep and meaningful, let's start with The Cool Greenhouse and their song, Alexa. Being a music obsessive will mean falling down several rabbit holes, quite possibly at the same time, and so it goes with a few songs on this episode's playlist, which have sprung up off the back of other songs featured in other episodes. Take, for example, Alexa by The Cool Greenhouse, which the kindly algorithms at Spotify HQ felt may be of interest following the podcast I did with my first ever guest on this show, Mark Simmons. Kind of appropriate, really, because this song is all about algorithms and the rise of AI technology. It is, so the opening lyric goes, an attempt at a contemporary love song, But that's underselling it somewhat. It's actually a brilliant satire of modern life and modern tech. Where else could you possibly even hope to find a lyric like I love the way you smell like polystyrene drying out on a tranquil summer evening. Aside from the verbal dexterity and whimsy, there are wry observations aplenty with musings on how the voices of smart devices sound like a stereotypical subservient female automaton. There are lines about Alexa receiving marriage proposals and admiration for the fact that a smart device couldn't care less that everything I say is painfully obvious and incredibly boring. And it's spectacularly self-deprecating as well. Over the manic lo-fi graininess of guitars, cheap keyboards and sugar-high drum beats, singer stroke speaker stroke frontman Tom Greenhouse asks Google to play the song Alexa by The Core Greenhouse. Obviously the answer is... Hmm, I don't know that one. Add to this the reference to 2001 A Space Oddity's murderous computer Hal, and you have the perfect kooky, weird subversive song to completely geek out to. There's something new and sublimely wonderful to enjoy with every listen. And there's only one thing I like more than a stereotypically subservient female automaton. And that's a stereotypically subservient female automaton that's unbelievably uh, crap at its job because when you're asked to play girl band, band. you play the Shangri-Las. And when you're asked to play us, 
Just as I discovered Alexa, care of the Spotify's analysis of the playlist for the Songs in the Key of Mark Simmons episode, I discovered this next song thanks to that particular streaming services assessment of the Songs in the Key of John Peel episode that followed a few weeks later. Television personalities got their name entirely thanks to John Peel. Although they'd recorded an EP called Where's Bill Grundy Now, they'd not worked out what to call themselves yet. So when submitting their EP for the attention of John Peel, they put the names Nicholas Parsons, Russell Harty, Bruce Forsyth and Huey Green on the sleeve. Maybe Peel couldn't be bothered to read out all those names, so he just introduced part-time punks from the EP as being by West London's television personalities. The band's first album, and Don't the Kids Just Love It, came out in 1981, bedecked with cover art featuring Patrick McNee of the Avengers, not the Iron Man, Captain America and Incredible Hulk Avengers, the proper Steed and Emma Peel ones from ITV. And his co-star on that cover was Twiggy. And there, opening the B-side of the album, is I Know Where Sid Barrett Lives. It's got a clear punk sound, if rather understated. The estuarine snarl and the stripped-back basic raw guitars are all present and correct. But it's all very restrained, hushed even, and, rather oddly for a punk or post-punk song, full of deference to one of the defining members of one of the most important prog-stroke psychedelic bands ever to walk the earth. The most obvious point of reference is in the lyrics. It's a song, as the title helpfully informs us, all about the founding member of Pink Floyd, who, following a drug-induced exile from the band, lived out the rest of his life as an absolute recluse. But there's plenty of Floydian references in the music too. The fast-paced, unrelenting guitar part recalls early Floyd's Astronomy Domine, while the tweeting birds reference some of the weirder moments from the Floyd back catalogue, for example, the field recordings of the excellently titled track Several Species of Small Furry Animals Gathered Together in a Cave and Grooving with a Pit from Omaguma. There's a beautiful, quaint sadness to this song that perfectly captures some of the mystery associated with the singer's fall from being very famous to a situation where no one knows even if he's alive. It's delicate and wonderful and I love it. There's a little man in a little house with a little pet dog and a little pet mouse. I know where he lives and I visit him in a little hut. widely known fact that you're never more than six feet away from an Iggy Pop collaboration. 
David Bowie, Josh Hom, Peaches, Kesha, Sum 41, Underworld and At The Drive-In being just a handful of them. The one I really love though is found on the New Order album Music Complete from 2015. The song is Stray Dog. I think it might actually be my favourite New Order song to be honest. Sorry, did someone mention Blue Monday? Well it's alright I suppose. Stray Dog is all about that intense desire to make a connection with someone you love and to maintain it through thick and thin. It's about recognising where things aren't working and seeing the need to do the work to get things better. And all the while, underneath, there's the persistent accompaniment from New Order, the insistent drumming, heavy brooding keyboards, soaring strings, the chirping of crickets. Maybe New Order had been listening to that grooving pit track too. Stray Dog is the sound of a restless, long, dark night of the soul, and it's phenomenal. They say the secret of all happiness is unconditional love and brotherhood and trying to be good, trying not to drink, but I can't stop drinking, it's in my blood, in and out of trouble, while keeping yourself alive, not getting A few weeks back I waxed rather lyrically about Hannah Peel, one of my favourite electronic artists. Hannah Peel first came to my attention thanks to her membership of the Magnetic North, whose two albums thus far have celebrated and paid tribute to very specific places in the British Isles, the island of Orkney and Skelmersdale. As a solo artist, she's done some phenomenal work using music boxes alongside more conventional instrumentation. She's also created a tenderly crafted and deeply personal album themed around the effects of Alzheimer's disease called Awake But Always Dreaming. And then, of course, there's the album Mary Cassio Journey to Cassiopeia, a snippet of which I featured a few weeks back, in which Peel merges electronica with the rich, mellow, deeply sonorous sound of a brass band to create a concept album themed around an old lady's trip far out into deep space. And now she's back with another album, Furwave, something of an intergenerational posthumous collaboration between Hannah Peel and Delia Derbyshire, Brian Hodgson and Don Harper, with the former using the latter three's library samples of electronic music for the radio, TV and film industry from 1972, which went by the name of Electrosonic, to create brand new pieces. It's a hypnotically soothing affair, the kind of thing you could listen to while staring at a lava lamp, a screensaver from the 1990s, or the panoramic vista of the Atlantic Ocean for hours on end, 
ever-changing, forever-expanding, stretching and contracting while always retaining a comfortingly familiar form. Pattern formation is the third piece from the album, opening with rising peristaltic pulses and deep reverbing bass notes. There are gorgeous synthetic reedy breaths over the top and then distorted keyboards slowly rising and falling over the top of that. It builds and builds and builds into something magnificent and splendid and wonderful while retaining a tender fragility that could easily collapse at the slightest touch. dry-witted women doing spoken word pieces over music. I'm thinking dry cleaning here, of course, and I'm definitely thinking of friends of this show Dead Already, new single Dollhead out now by the way, but I'm also thinking of Self Esteem, the solo project of ex-Slow Club member Rebecca Lucy Taylor and her song I Do This All The Time. As might be expected from a performer going by the name of Self Esteem, there's a fair bit of soul-searching and self-appraisal going on here. What first made my ears prick up when hearing the song on some random Spotify playlist was the line When I'm buried in the ground I won't be able to make your birthday drinks but I will still feel guilty. But when you dig into it there's a great deal more to it than the self-deprecating wit. Because as with all self-deprecation there's always something behind it. Perhaps one of the most important lines in the song is this. One day, I would love to tell you how the best night of your life was the absolute worst of mine. Because moments of personal growth always come from the moments at absolute rock bottom rather than standing high up on a mountain, king or queen of all you survey. It's a five minute long piece of self-talk, both negative and positive. It recalls something of the runaway hit for Baz Luhrmann in the 90s, Sunscreen, but this is more poignant, far more bittersweet, with voices of the past coming to haunt the narrator as she recalls moments of backhanded compliments and outright undermining verbal abuse. The lines about needing to fit in a little dress come with a particular sting in the tail. But there's plenty of positivity in the song to counter these barbs, particularly in the chorus, and even in that troubling line again directed at herself about hoping you fail without me, it was really rather miserable trying to love you. Even that line has a hope to it because we all fail. The aim is to be able to fail and not feel so appallingly traumatised about the experience. That's one of the most fundamental human needs that so many of us lack. More on this to follow, much, much more. In the meantime, Here's a snippet of I do this all the time. Look up, lean back, be strong. You 
of yours. If you weren't doing this, you'd be working in McDonald's. So try and cheer up. I'm not sure. You're moving around too much. You need to stand still. Be more like Marae. Stop showing off. You're a good girl. You're a good tall girl. You're a good sturdy girl. the best night of your life was the absolute worst of mine. Reese has a new album out called Seeking New Gods and the song from it that's currently doing the rounds goes by the name of Lone Your Loneliness and there's something about that song that immediately puts me in mind of the style and energy of a song by a band called The Vanderbilts. Now it's been a while since I featured a Medway band on this here podcast but a Medway band The Vanderbilts most certainly were. The band consisted of musicians who between them have helped form the ranks of countless other bands from the area, a supergroup if you will. But then such is the way with Medway music. After a certain point, let's say 1988, there's a case for saying that around half of Medway bands could be described as supergroups. In the case of the Vanderbilts, the lineup was particularly strong. Johnny Bark on vocals, piano and organ, Alan Crockford on bass and vocals, Daryl Hartley on guitar and vocals, Chris Hersey on drums and, yes, you've guessed it, vocals. Compared with the likes of The Prisoners and The Daggermen, the bands in which Alan Crockford and Johnny Barker respectively honed their musical muscles, the Vanderbilts had more of a pop sensibility than the dirty old garage rock of their other bands. Steely Dan immediately spring to mind, for example. And nowhere is this difference from their more familiar musical style more evident than their song God Machine, which hurtles along at a gleeful speed. You can hear the fun they're having on the song and that's always a gorgeous thing to find on any record. It is, of course, Johnny Barker's keyboard riff that absolutely makes this song, possibly the reason my mind linked it so closely to Gruff Reese's latest offering. But the close vocals of all four band members comes in at a very close second. If the song had featured them breaking down into fits of giggles at the sheer joy of recording this song, I don't think anyone would have been shocked or have minded.
was surprised when researching details for this next segment to find out how young Jurassic 5's quality control is, by which I'm not suggesting it only came out last week. It actually came out on the 20th of June 2000, but listening to much of it, you'd be convinced it came out at least 10 years before that. It's a proper old-school hip-hop album, none of that stuff about showing off your wealth and the ever-present risk of collapsing under the weight of your own ego. The ethos couldn't be more obvious. The Jurassic 5 set out their stall very clearly on the opening track, How We Get Along. We get along with eye contact. We also get along by listening to one another. Not only that, but we also get along because of rhythms that we've learned during the course of the years. But above all, there is harmony. Because we got to listen to one another. It's a magnificent celebration of jazz, soul, funk and previous iterations of hip-hop. As one review of the record by StopTheBreaks.com puts it, Jurassic 5 bring it way, way back to light-hearted, funky hip-hop before all this rap shit was just business. And of course, Swing Set, the final track from the album, has an even more retro sound to it, picking up the old swing sounds of some 70 years previous. It's an absolute joy to behold, and it goes like this. So hot! So hot! This is the sound of the 30s. One, two, one, two, three, four. Gather round, all you rug cutters, because we're going to show you what swing is all about. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These great sounds should not be left to gather dust. You, you might dig out that old seven. ago I featured a song by Stephen Wilson, sometime frontman of Porcupine Tree and now at least taking things solo. The song featured was The Raven That Refused to Sing from the album of the same name released in 2013. Of course, being Stephen Wilson, that was by no means his latest release. That accolade currently belongs to The Future Bites, released in January of this year. It's proving to be one of those albums I keep returning to especially during my working hours. As you might expect from an album with such a title, it's an exercise in assessing the effects of 21st century life on our minds. And the song I've chosen for this episode, Personal Shopper, is devoted to the theme of consumerism. Over its big, big post-prog, post-OK computer symphonic sound, Wilson and a choir of other vocalists, including arch-consumerist-in-chief himself, Elton John, deliver blistering, relentless assessments of everything that is wrong with the way we think buying stuff will save us from lack and assuage our feelings of entitlement. The song addresses consumerism in the same way that other songs, novels, films and hard-hitting documentaries might deal with more obvious forms of addiction, 
drugs, alcohol, gambling. Towards the end, there's a long shopping list of supposedly must-have non-essentials that present themselves as being required for 21st century survival, all interspersed with self-words, self-love, self-esteem, please refer to two songs ago on this podcast for further details, self-indulgence, self-obsession, self-defence, self-indulgence, etc, etc. The shopping list features many things that may immediately spring to mind when thinking of super consumption. Designer trainers, fake eyelashes, monogrammed luggage and so on. So far, so, well that's everyone else's problem. And then the lyrics turn to deluxe edition box sets and 180 gram vinyl reissues. Ah, that hits just a little bit closer to home. a little fact about me that I've shared occasionally on blog posts and elsewhere. Given some of the song choices even in this particular episode you may have your suspicions already. The fact is I live with a mix of anxiety and depression and I have done ever since 2010, possibly longer ago. It first manifested itself most obviously when a boss from hell seemed to take great delight in pointing out my every failing or what she felt was my failing, and it all rippled out of control from there on. Of course, we should probably be fair to that horrible boss, it wasn't her fault, well, not entirely. She was, of course, a grade A bitch, there's no getting around that. I had this on good authority from quite a few other people with whom I worked, but there were other factors at play. At that point, I was a 30-year-old ticking time bomb, long overdue to go off, or rather implode. Without going into the kind of detail that should probably be reserved for sessions with my therapist, and yes, I do have one, an excellent one, it can all be traced back to an endless series of small T traumas, starting from early childhood, and lingering and loitering in the darkest corners of my mind and the pit of my stomach. There was no sexual abuse, no malnourishment, no furious beatings. My life was hardly the stuff of the misery porn found in A Child Called It, or a thousand other books and films concerning terrible childhoods. But there was enough of that consistent and constant low-level trauma for me to be left with deep feelings of being inadequate, not good enough, undeserving, an inevitable failure, a fraud who any minute now is going to get caught out and exposed. And because there was no sexual abuse, no malnourishment, no furious beatings, no 
child called it 60 point font bold italicized capital letters trauma even my anxiety and depression felt inadequate my feelings must be fraudulent my experiences weren't bad enough to justify such feelings i didn't deserve to feel so awful i was basically a failure at being depressed and anxious i couldn't even get that right i've since learned that that doesn't matter the comparing of my trauma to those of others comes from the same place as comparing myself to the success, the seeming better than meanness of everybody else in the world. The fact remains that this trauma is real, and it is here, and it needs to be dealt with. And one of the ways in which it can be dealt with is to identify it for what it is. Where are these thoughts that you are entertaining, however briefly, coming from? Is it coming from a place of truth and goodness? A place of reassurance, founded on a deep understanding of who you are, what you've been through, the amazing things you've done, the amazing potential you have, and the wonderful person you have become despite everything in the past? Or is it coming from some old story, some old, bitter, twisted voice of some deeply unhelpful, unhappy person from your past, who is laden down by piles and piles of their own unresolved baggage, and was just taking it out on you, because they didn't know any different. But before you start wondering whether you've tuned into the right podcast and that you haven't accidentally stumbled upon an episode of self-help and mindfulness, let's bring it all back to music. Back in the day with the third episode of this podcast series, I featured a song by a band called Clear Lake who had appeared at the Reading Festival in 2000. The song I chose at the time was Jumble Sailing from their debut album Lido, a rather whimsical ditty about hunting for knickknacks at a bring and buy with a loved one. At the time, I'm sure I must have mentioned Clear Lake's penchant for morose, miserable and mental and health themes. My absolute favourite song of theirs is a rallying call for anyone who feels they cannot cope, that everything is getting on top of them. It's called Treat Yourself With Kindness, and the whole song does pretty much what it says on the track title. It's an anthem of mindfulness long before the term secured widespread awareness. I like the song so much that I printed out the lyrics to it and stuck it to the wall of my bedroom back when I was still living with my parents. Those lyrics are still there to this day. But I don't want to play you that. Instead, the Clear Lake song that seems to be more apposite for me right now is a tune which, like Treat Yourself With Kindness, comes from their second album, Cedars. It's called The Mind Is Evil. At first listen, maybe even second, third and fourth listen, it's a funny song, maybe a disassociative song. It does, after all, feature lines like this. When I'm angry or bitter, it's never my fault, but nobody seems to believe me. It's out of my hands, I just do what I'm told. If I don't, then it knows how to hurt me. But I feel there's a great deal of depth to this song. It's not just the plea of someone who can't take responsibility for their own incompetent actions. In fact, it's not that at all. It's a recognition that your mind is made of many parts, and there are some parts that have too loud a voice, heavily influenced by negative talk of others, which then becomes negative self-talk. It opens with a creepy detuned piano and some squelchy keyboards before swooping strings come in for a devilish dance around your brain. 
Jason Pegg's voice soars ever fragile over the top. The whole result is a malevolent sounding waltz that performs a spectacular balancing act. On the one hand, capturing the spiralling sensation of anxiety and despair sending you plummeting down, down, deeper and down into a world of chaos and confusion. And on the other hand, treating the whole situation with a wry, amused, indie pop nonchalance. There's no such thing as a cold time ago, a very long time ago indeed, I went on holiday to Ibiza. No smirking at the back there. Of course, I didn't actually go clubbing. There was no visit to manumission or whatever the big club nights of the day were back then. I went out of clubbing season and to the other side of the island to San Antonio. But the influence of club culture was everywhere, even in the quieter resort of Cala Yonga. There were two songs that seemed to be played on repeat wherever I went for a cocktail by the sea. One was Milkshake by Khalees, and the other was To The Club by Spankox. I've never actually heard it since until preparing this episode, although it has popped into my head every now and then. It's a dance track, so it hardly resonates with the profundity of some of the other songs featured on this podcast. But sometimes all you need is a long series of repetitive beats as a vocalist goes through the days of the week, listing a hectic schedule of, well, going to the club. Monday night to the club, Tuesday night to the club, Wednesday night, what a headache, but I went to the club, Thursday night to the club, Friday night didn't want to go, then my friend Michelle called me on the phone and so I went to the club. So there you have it, 10 songs in the key of what I've been listening to of late. I hope you enjoyed them. Let me know what you think on Twitter using the Twitter handle Reviewage. There is, as ever, a Spotify playlist to accompany the episode, 
a link to which you can find on the show notes. I'll be back soon with songs in the key of something or other else. In the meantime, have a marvellous few days and nights till we meet again. Monday night to the club, Tuesday night to the club, Wednesday night, what a headache, but I went to the club, Thursday night to the club, Friday night didn't want to go, then my friend Michelle called me on the phone and so I went to the club, Saturday night to the club, Sunday night, Sunday night, Sunday night, to the club, 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 club.